to be. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 38. Now, last week, Heather Hatton came in, made an announcement, and passed around a, a form like this. Never got the form back. When we did, it was empty. Understood, all right? But we're going to try it again. We're going to start from this side to see whether this side is more holy and healthy. Um, here's the point. We're not at, she's not asking anybody to give up their Sundays. This is an emergency call list if somebody covering the nursery can't make it. And you wouldn't be stuck in there on your own. Some of you are grandmamas or want to be one day. Excellent training. Or granddaddies or would like to be one day. Excellent training. And it would just be helping out the crew one time if there's, if there's an emergency. Let me just see. Yep, that's it. So... Um, the problem is that you're all scattered. I think that was a problem last time. The person just didn't take it to the other area. Look at We have our first volunteer. Well done, Matthew. As I said. Yes. Oh. Uh, the question was asked, do, we, do you need to do the child protection training? I don't know what the policy is, but that's an excellent question. I'll find out. In fact, put a little asterisk by your name and make that note on the back. All right? If you don't know, um, this church has the safety of the children in very serious. They take it very seriously. Therefore, people that, that work with children here all go under... It's a quick background check. It takes like five seconds. If you've not committed felonies, you know, violence and the like, you're, you're, you're good. You know, so don't, don't be thinking, oh, you know, I stole a pencil when I was four. Um, although not to you, don't do that. Um, that won't show up. That's not the issue. But there's also, uh, there's a training thing they do to make sure that the kids stay safe if something goes wrong. And so, um, and I'm proud of them for doing all that work. It just means you can, you know, when my grandsons come, I don't worry about them. I know that they're in good hands, people that are trained. All right, that said, we talked about, um, in fact, I want to back up just a bit. Verse 35, just remember they were arguing about who was going to be the best, who was going to be the top. And Jesus said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child who he placed among them, taking a child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children, little, sorry, very Scottish, little, glottal stop, little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Um, we've not done what I'm about to do in this series, but it's kind of important that we do it. Before we get there, I want you to think about children. Now, God never calls us to be childish. He calls us to be childlike. There's a huge difference. I think everybody, I don't need to beat that horse, do I? All right, we're all there. Uh, an illustration of this to me would be Finn. Finn Ruin Graves, my middle grandson, is five years old. And as uh, many five-year-olds do in his preschool, kindergarten, whatever it is, I lose track of all those different gradations. Um, they are asked questions about their mommy and they make a thing for mommy for Mother's Day. And they invite the mamas in. On his, uh, it's, it's like a Mad Libs for, for mamas. You know, I love my mama because when I'm at school, my mama does, you know, that sort of thing. 
Anyway, when I'm at school, my mother, what, my mother does this, and he put, uh, does laundry, cleans toilets, and folds socks. So he's pretty much got it nailed. Uh, but her, you know, her favorite store got all that. And then said, if I had lots of money, the thing I would buy for my mother is, he put love. Well, you know, that immediately is heartwarming and melting, but th because he didn't know that. He didn't know his mama would go, oh. He probably just thought, well, that's obvious. Love. Children simplify things. Please understand, childish is all the bad stuff about kids. They can be mean and brutal. If you've ever been on a playground, you've seen it. But it's a childlikeness, that openness, that honesty, that matters. To the point where he then adds this. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. This is one of the most powerful doctrines in Scripture because it reflects to another event that is not covered in Mark, but is covered in Matthew in some detail. That is, what makes Jesus happy? What, is, what does it mean to receive Jesus, serve Jesus, please Jesus? What does it mean? Now, there are churches where and I grew up in them, and perhaps you did as well, where that answer is very, very simple. We have five acts of worship. We have five steps of salvation. Uh, we do it this way. We do it that way. It's a ritual, and it's a following this pathway that pleases Jesus. At this Islamic Christian conference thing, uh, I literally was, I'd say at least 20 of the hours, it was me. I was the only preaching, teaching minister left. We had a children's minister and a communications minister too, but they were just over there going, you know, we're, we're here because Josh made us to, and then he had a, a funeral. He had to take off. I'm thinking, lucky Josh, you know. Anyway, um, oh, thank you the, the, for bringing the, something to drink. I needed that. Um, the Muslims asked me a lot of questions about Jesus. And when I answered them, it was amazing. Or, what, you know, Paul said this, what does that mean? When I answered them, they were, it was every single time, it was like, oh, well, we didn't, no one's ever told us that before. And I'm just going, what, what are we teaching them? Well, what we're teaching them is, you're not us, and because that's what media does. You just, you, we got to stop the media, people. Um, but one of them was, they talked about, you know, what is, uh, what is judgment, and what is harsh, and what is wrong, and like, and I said, well, we follow Jesus. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, and he's going to be a witness you know, of what happens at the end of time, and he told us. And I took them to Matthew 25. They all looked him up on their phones, and I, this, this came up four or five times. They had to go back to Matthew 25 because the weight of it. Verse 31, Matthew 25. When a Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from another, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Anybody in here want to hear that one? That's the one you want to hear. That's how you know you're in the right group. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, 
You invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say something incredibly stupid. Lord, that wasn't us. People, warning right now. If you say that and I'm standing beside you in heaven, I'm hurting you. I don't know what form your body is taken, but there's going to be a sore spot somewhere. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? By the way, this is a Semitic way of, of call and response. So they're going to mention it all. When, we, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Here's the payoff verse. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Brothers and sisters of his. Well, who are the brothers and sisters of Jesus? That's where a lot of people think they got their out. Aha! He's just talking about people, you know, Christians being good to Christians. No. Throughout scripture, righteous people call those outside their community brothers. I'll just do one example. Like I said, we don't do a lot of this in this. We usually just stick with Mark and then just, but if you go to um, Acts 17, Paul standing up before all of these, these people and he doesn't put a separation before them or between them. In fact, here he treats them as equals. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, all that divisiveness, what does he call them? Brothers. The brotherhood of mankind, and ladies, that does not leave you out. It's a wide word meaning all of us. The brotherhood of us, all of us, the sisterhood. And that's the thing about this. When you start going brotherhood versus sisterhood, then you're divisive. It's mankind, humans. By the way, the word Adam doesn't mean man. It means people. The word literally means people. God made people. All of us. And he loves us. If you wonder who are the brothers and sisters of Jesus, I will just put it to you this way. Who was made in the image of God? Everybody. There you go. Therefore, you be nice to them. We have certain rules in our family that are just basic rules. One, you never walk by a crying person. Now you might think, well, who would? Everybody. You've been in airports? You've been in hospitals? You've been at the mall? And you'll see somebody weeping and you'll think, oh, it's not my business. It's not my business. Don't want to interfere. Get in trouble. No, stop. If you get in trouble, so what? If someone you know, gets mad at you and kills you, see Jesus. Where's the negative? You, know, you were doing something good. Just, you know, we, we always have a thousand reasons not to do good. And our idea is they are our brothers. Now, how can we do that when we've been a family so connected with war through the centuries, literally? I'm not a pacifist. I'm aware that at times you must take action at the against the person in front of you. Not because you do not love them, but because you love the people behind you. So I'm not trying to paint this simplistically. This is complicated. But Jesus told us what it takes to be saved. And in Mark, he says, you take care of these little kids, you're taking care of me. You receive them. My little two-year-old grandson, he's almost two, uh, at the soccer games yesterday, both of his brothers, five and seven, played different teams. And 
So then there's an hour in between the games, so there's a lot of time for Oliver to be let loose upon the planet. And he is, he is ready at any time to be loose. And there was a little girl playing with him, and she would chase him and tickle him and such. And every so often, he would come flying and just grab my leg and look up and grin because base. Can't hurt me now. I'm with Granda. Uh, little did he know, as soon as he grabs me, I'm going, oh. You know, but anyway, he, he thinks I'm tough. The point I'm trying to make is family matters. Receiving these little kids matter. I have seen so many people have kids and don't receive the kids they have. They're mad at them all the time. They're yelling at them all the time. I'd, I'd been back in America only a couple of months. I was in a Kroger store. I remember it well because Kroger stores were a matter of great wonder to me in the mid-80s, late-80s. They were just... Cammy sent me... we just moved and she'd sent me uh, to the store for soap. So I went to the store for soap. And I stood there. There's a lot of soap. And it's all kinds of soap. I was, I was used to going to the store and you get the soap. This... We didn't have cell phones back then, kids. And carrier pigeons weren't um, available. So I actually had to drive home and say, you're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, Kroger stores are just amazing to me. And, and I still, when I walk in, go, Whoo! you know, it's just, it's, it's just it's fantastic. Well, I remember this, this woman was dragging this little kid. Could not have been more, you know, two to three. Just, and the kid's feet were almost leaving the, aisle, uh, the, the ground as she'd swing around. Just, you know, I was just stupid, you know, I can't stand this, you know, like your father, you know, it was just awful. I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know what I could say or do. I'm in America now, right? And so I just waited. And when she was distracted, I got down on my knees in front of the kid, and I handed him one of my cards. I said, you don't know me, but in about 16 years, you're going to need that number. <laughs> and she looked at me, and she had a can of beans in her hand. I'll never forget that, but I'm just thinking, all right, one of us is, you know, I backed away. I don't know whatever happened. But it, or, oh, another Kroger. Got to tell you this story. Not a month later, there was a lady outside that made my head explode because she had a little kid given the paddling. I'm not opposed to all paddling. I think other people's kids should be. Um, but anyway, my, my kids never. But she was literally going, how many times have I told you it is wrong to hit people? And I'm going... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. People, how do we receive the little kids when you're on an airplane and a woman's coming on with two kids and one's screaming, one's got snot running down, and the seat's by you? How do you receive the sick person? I am proud of the fact that in every episode of Mass Contagion, be it St. Vitus Dance or Bubonic Plague, it's the Christians who went house to house and visited. I am thrilled to announce that there has never been an ending of slavery in any society that wasn't started by the Christians standing up and saying enough. Who is receiving each other? Who is showing love? Am I saying then that you can go to heaven without knowing Jesus? No, but I want you to pay very close attention. I don't know what Jesus plans to do after you die. Do you get a second chance? I've had people go, oh, that would be off. No, are you kidding? I would love for the world to get a second chance. I would love for the world, you know, Romans, have you read Romans? Romans talks an awful lot about there are people that do not have the law that act better than those that do have the law. 
and he, Paul asked, which one should God honor? That's a pretty important question. This to me that does not demean Jesus. I still believe he is the way, the truth, the life. I just hope that after we die, well, it just seems that his rules aren't what we've been yelling all these years. Do you know why the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church split? Now, a thousand years ago, almost exactly. Because they argued whether the Holy Spirit comes from the Father or from the Father and also the Son. Is that going to be why we're judged? Or how we're judged? It's going to be on how we treat people. I've had a brother malign me, slander me, libel me, attack me in public and in private. And every time he says, now I love you and that's why I'm doing this. And I've just looked at him saying, you know, whatever you're throwing out there is not growing love. Check your seed back. What are we doing? How are we treating each other? Um, I could go on here, but back in Mark, verse 37, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. If when you read this passage and a preacher preaches on this passage, you can't help but thinking, but, 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 they also, but, they also understand you've listened to other voices than his. It's rather like Jesus' passion was for our unity. And yet our passion for purity, we allow to trump his passion for unity. You ever thought of it that way? When a preacher talks about we need to be united with others, is your first thought about exceptions? That means we're not on track with him. So, I've said a lot here and I probably should move on. Anybody, do you want any questions or comments you've got? I know it's an awkward forum, is it not? All right, let me, let me talk to the group here. Uh, Sarge down here is combat vet, veterans, many tours. Um, and he talks about how you, you see good people there, but after a while, they all become a stereotype. And they all become your enemy. And Because Vietnam vets, you know this, little kids be coming running up to you, and their mommies had pulled a grenade pen and sent them to you. And boom, you're gone. Suicide vest and such, we see it. Uh, even wrapped around Down syndrome kids and sent into the marketplace. What do you do? How do you get past your suspicion and calcified heart toward these people? I, I know of, I know of um, one, two, do I know any more? I know of two old men who, um, I think they both passed now, but they would never buy a Japanese car 
because they were World War II veterans and what they saw out of the Japanese army. One of the things I always tell people is never confuse people with their government. You will find some incredibly brave French people, but we often make fun because of government. Never confuse people with their government. And never, for example, here's another one. How many ISIS members are there? How many members of ISIS are there? Well, I can tell you because I have sources. Uh, our best estimate is about 30,000. How many Muslims are there? 1.6 billion. Now, here's something I often hear people say. Well, if there are that many good Muslims, why don't they talk, speak against the evil Muslims? Go, go look at the websites for every single one of the mosques. Go talk to them. They always do, but the media never reports that because that won't keep you afraid. You have to be afraid to watch. You have to watch to sell commercial space. It's all about the money. Be aware, all about money and control. Am I saying we have nothing to worry about from, from any Muslim? Of course not. Of course not. They've got their ISIS. We've got our Timothy McVeigh who will blow up the Oklahoma City building because of his twisted view of identity, religion, which is, is supposed to be a Christian religion, by the way, and it isn't. We have issues. But am I angry at everybody named Timothy? No. Am I angry at every vet? No, because he was a vet as well. We have to differentiate between people. People come to us as individuals. We see them in groups. If you don't believe that, how do we describe people? He was a white guy, he was a black guy, he was, a, you know, he was an overweight guy, he was a tall guy. We see them, and, and we have to in some sense, but then we've got to get past that and see them as a person. And Jesus knows this is hard work. That's why he said, pick up your cross. It's going to be very hard. Uh, there are many stories. I think, help me out, I always say her name wrong. It's Corey Ten Boom, isn't it? There's, I always put an L in there, call her a bloom. If you read some of her material, the number of times that she refers to praying with people who used to be the guards who killed her sister and so many others, or how, and she also knows all the other stories about you know, former POWs that went back. Um, there are, it's, it's amazing to me, the number of American vets who have gone back to Okinawa to Guam and Guadalcanal, going back to Japan to meet the people they were fighting or their prison captor and talk to them. Have you seen those stories? They are amazing. And that's what Jesus is asking from us. And by the way, most of us are never going to go through what you went through. And so I would tell everybody in the room, you can't judge him because he's in a different place than you are. Right? And therefore, God is not expecting from you anything other than what you've got to give. So don't look for a miracle, brother. Don't even look for baby steps. Just look for God to do it in his own good time. Right? Um, and in the meantime, God knows your heart. That, by the way, is good news. It's not a threat. <laughs> when, when I was a preacher, that was, when I was a preacher's kid, that was a threat. God knows what you're thinking. I'm going, oh, no. You know, um, bless me, that's high, that's high. I'm trying to get something else in there. Click. Uh, 
nobody here judges anybody because our job is, if you're sick, we're going to come visit you. We're going to take care of you. Everybody in here is having a rough day, aren't you? You know, I visit last night with my dad was hard. Hard to see him go. And very hard to see my, my, my mom trying to keep him out of a nursing home. I told her again last night, Mama, he's got to go. And she goes, I know, but I, want, I just want to care for him. And I said, when the day comes, and it's coming quick, isn't it? And she nodded. And I said, let me tell him. You know, why? Because I couldn't wait to know. Because, you know, she's given enough. She's done enough. It's been a hard day. You've had a hard day. You're having a hard day. I get that. So we should treat each other gently. Right? And then Jesus says, that's what matters to him. And if you think, well, as long as he's just talking about people who are like us, look at the next scene. Teacher, said John, by the way, in John's gospel, it's a certain disciple ask. John doesn't out himself, saying, I stupidly asked. Every time, John will write that out and say, a certain disciple. That's kind of funny. I like that. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Okay. One of the questions that was asked in this Islam Christian thing was, are there any good works we could do together? And I'm going, ooh, ooh, because Fourth Avenue is full of that. That's what we love to do. Well, I anticipated, but it never showed up. Somebody's saying, Are, you know, can we really work together and doing it? I do anticipate if we chose, for example, to invite them to giving away of food for one generation or the like, I would absolutely anticipate that I would get some email. Because you do, from the pharisaical keyboard commandos that are out there, protected on the other end of the internet. Um, they would say, how can you do that with somebody who denies the Christ? Oh, easy. Because every time I'm doing good works with a bunch of Christians, I'm doing good works with adulterers, greedy people, the selfish, the lying, the... Why? Because that's who we are. We're people. I have a general rule, and I know it really annoys people. Give others as much grace as you want to get. And honestly, if I'm being nice to you, it's entirely selfish. It's because I know I'm going to need the mercy. Uh, and it's, is it hard? Oh, yes, it's very hard. Uh, there's an illustration I'd like to use, but I don't think I should, so I'm going to move on. Jesus replies, do not stop him. Listen to this next one. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. Whoever is not against us is for us. That sounds kind of the opposite of a political statement, doesn't it? I'm not trying to be against George Bush. Don't get me wrong. I, I haven't, I don't like any politics. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we often in religion have this concept of whoever is not us, we're against. And he says, no, whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you truly, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus' standards are different than ours, are they not? Does, how does that make you feel? Let me be a shrink here. 
How's, lay down in the pew. How, how does that make you feel? I'll tell you how it makes me feel, and that is a little bit miffed that I was told there were other standards, but a whole lot happy. Because I can do this. Can I be perfect in ritual? and Probably not. In doctrine? Probably not. Can I be good to people? I can, I can do that. Jesus says, okay. Be a preview of heaven. You can do that. By the way, we do have folk that are having to leave because they're meeting mamas, and I understand that. So, by the way, if you want to leave, it'd, it'd be a lot of fun if you just stood up and said, well, I never, and threw something down, then stumped it. That would I told, I've told a couple people today that they ought to do that. And they're going, oh, Patrick. I love this. Whoever gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. God appreciates it when we are kind to each other. Be an outpost of heaven. Be a preview of heaven. When you walk in the door, let heaven walk in the door. Um, pop quiz. When you walk in a room, do the people become more relaxed or more tense. I know you're a lawyer. It doesn't apply to you business-wise. It's, it's your job. Your job to make the, the, the guilty tense up a bit, I guess. But when you walk in, what's the feeling? Um, think about it. He's going to talk more about the kids because the kid's not left yet. we got about seven minutes, eight minutes. If anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me, to stumble. It'd be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. This is a metaphor. There have been people in history that take this seriously. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Um, in some manuscripts, there's... Another verse stuck in here. It's actually pretty hard to figure out which verses belong here. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it out, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes, by the way, people would have been appalled at this. They'd be going, "What?" And that's the point. The point is, don't hurt people. If you say, "I can't help it," yes, you can. It's a choice. Um, told you before, I believe, William Bacchus, B-A-C-K-U-S, William Bacchus, wrote a book, a classic book back in the 80s, which is still out there, called Telling Yourself the Truth. He was a Christian psychiatrist. I believe he's retired or even passed on now, but he wrote several others like that, Telling Others the Truth, and, but Telling Yourself the Truth is the first one. And he goes into this long discussion about what is a voluntary muscle and what is an involuntary muscle, and when people say, I can't help it, Look at the series of decisions that got you to where you were. You know, you'll have people that go, I, you know, I didn't mean to, to have sex with that woman. I just, I don't know what happened. Next thing we knew, no, are you kidding? There were buttons, there's a belt, there's a door. There's, there, are all of these, there are all of these chances to say no. I know it sounds harsh, but I, have to, I tell myself that too. Whenever I say something harsh to somebody, then I realize I didn't have to do that. I made a choice. That was a bad choice. It was a wrong choice. Let's back this up. Have a look. Jesus is saying, you choose. 
People, if you can cut your hand off, don't you think you can stop it from doing something? Of course you can. That's the whole, it's hyperbole and metaphor. The worms that eat them do not die. The fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Um, let's stop for a minute. Don't hurt the kids. It breaks my heart to see stories of, I, I don't know that I've actually been in the NICUs around them, stories of children born addicted to this drug or the other. Just breaks my heart. I've been around a lot of kids that had fetal alcohol syndrome, which is just devastating for their life. Um, you, if you want to hurt yourself, hurt yourself, but don't hurt the little ones, Jesus says. Don't hurt these kids. How else can we hurt them? Well, this is going to sound real political. How about making sure that we get stuff from the government and let them pay for it? I'm sorry, but politicians of both sides are always offering you stuff that your grandkids are going to have to pay for. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. Somebody's going to have a bad life so that you can have a good life. Um, be very careful. We could hurt our kids by selling them into economic slavery, by beating them. We could sell our kids by not talking to them about Jesus or by trying to become their buddy rather than their parent. You know, they do need a parent. They need limits. You know, there are times my kids would say, can we go see this movie? And I would say, no. They never fell down in front of me and said, oh, blessed art thou among fathers. They, they were a bit miffed. And I was the meanest man in the world. But no, that's not for you. We're a different kind of people. Don't hurt the kids. It's an awesome responsibility. It really is. Um, by the way, verse 50 seems to be out of, out of place because it seems like he's changing subject. Uh, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This is one of those passages that they understood a lot better than we do because they used, there's a background here we don't know anything about. We do know in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about salt. So just very quickly, remember what salt is. People say it's a preservative, it's necessary for life. Yes, yes, all of those. But it's something else. Salt is a positive force. There are only a few of those in nature. Light is another. That means that when you do an experiment, you must factor in if salt or light is present or not. Because by entering them into the equation, it changes the equation. You are salt and you are light, Jesus says. When you walk into a room, things should change. I told you before that I've had people come up to me and say, is so-and-so a member of that church? And I would say, yes. This is an earlier church, not this one. And they'd say, oh, you know, you should be around him when you're not there because he talks like this. I always put my hand up and say, first of all, I don't listen to people outside my church talk about members of my church. Two, if he behave, <clears throat> excuse me, behaves different because I walked in the room, I'm doing my job. People are supposed to behave different because I'm in the room. Same with you. In Dutch, I used to know this expression. It frustrates me that I don't anymore. There's a Dutch phrase. 
what it, it, it's for an awkward silence. But literally, it is, and a minister walked by. The idea is, we were talking about this, and oh, minister, oh, a little awkward. Then we go back to it. We should all be ministers, right? And priests, and when we walk in, things change. Because we're there. Why is that verse here? Your guess is as good as mine. As you've already seen, back up to verse 44. Some manuscripts include there the verse of 48, and then 47 drops down. It's, um, who knows? We don't really know. So with that confusing note, <laughs> any questions that you've got? I think, again, mamas, why, why do we honor mamas so much? Because of the way they invest in their kids. Now, we've got to paint with a broad brush here. You might have had a horrible mama, um, and I understand that. Or you might have had horrible kids. Got that. Until the era of cell phones. AT&T would publish this every year. The number one day for long-distance calls, Mother's Day. Number one day for collect calls, Father's Day. I always thought that was a joke, but it wasn't. You, you can look it up. It went on for decades that way. When we talk about Mother's Day sermons in churches, and I don't do those kind of sermons. I don't do any sermons about secular holidays. I think you've noticed that. Uh, I think Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's our focus. Um, I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but even if it does, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, but you'll hear Mother's Day sermons, and what are they? Mothers. Everybody, oh. You know, we love you, and you're wonderful, and you're a symbol of God. May the crown of glory be on you. Then Father's Day. You guys should be doing a better job. Here are the list of your faults. Right? We do that. Why? It's because we know Mama loves us. We think Dad does. But we also think he could do without us. That he enjoyed making us, and... He wouldn't, he'd have fun making another one. Um, if there's one biscuit left and mama says, does anybody want that biscuit? Dad might go for it. Mama never will. Now what's the point I'm trying to make? I think it's an obvious point. Love matters. Love changes things. And the reason we love mama is because of the way she loves us. Some of that is due to the chemicals and the way God made them. Some of it's due to the fact that they carried you in their body for nine months. They're invested. Getting you here was a pain, literally. And labor lasted days, according to my mother. <laughs> it didn't used to be that long. The older I am, the longer it took for her to, to pop me out. Um, it's just, that was a technical term. Um, and I, I find that fascinating, and I, and I love that about her. Now, that's why mamas, when they get the baby, what do they do? They wrap it tightly. They control everything. And, like, what does dads do? You know, they walk in holding it by the foot, saying, I'm, it's smelling funny. You know, um, or they're throwing it up in the air, and mom's going, ceiling fan. You know, and you're going, oh, sorry. Moms are more invested. Therefore, and here's my point, maybe the reason we don't love people is we've not invested ourselves in them. Need to be more invested. Anyway. It's past time to go. So you need to flee and go 
love your mother or be loved upon, or if you uh, don't have a mother or anyone to love upon, love each other. But do it elsewhere. Go away.